This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. The first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With Ken Laird from the Mud and Callahan Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. He's the killer. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. Easy swing, you know, we got a lot of losses. To yeah, we got a lot of losses. Lace them up for some beast talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. Well, it's May the 22nd, 2019. It's a special edition of Sunday Skate, weekday edition, also usurping yet again. Fight me. Uh, the great zero pucks given with Dale Arnold taking that channel over. And we're still at it. Matt Kalman from EEI.com, Bruins writer extraordinaire, NHL.com correspondent, because, of course, the Bruins are in the cup finals and have been for some time. Welcome. I don't even remember what happened. Did, did they really win? <laughs> they, uh, I, I missed the Sunday skate since the last. The voice you're hearing right now is not Ken Laird. The last time the Bruins had played. Uh, you did a fine job, by the way. You and oh, thank uh, you. Pete Blackburn did a great yeah. job. Uh, we got two hours this week coming up 8 to 10, and we've got uh, pretty much the same topics Sunday that we will run through today. But it's official. The St. Louis Blues are the opponents, so let's uh, bear down, hmm. as Rear Admiral like to say. I, I love bear down. We need to bear down. Yeah. Former member of uh, skate fame, dip into the Blues matchup. But first of all, you got to get Kalman, cranky Kalman, fired up, wound Uh-oh. up like that hurricane siren right off the gun. How many uh, new columnists and media oh. members did you see over at the Bruce Cassidy today was, media? Today was the day. Today was the day, the official like grand opening <laughs> of Bruins hockey coverage from you know columnists, not only from Boston, but from Connecticut. You know There were two Connecticut people Ooh, quizzing, quizzing, quizzing Connor Clifton on his Quinnipiac days oh, good, good. and rehashing his rookie stories. season. You have, oh my God, these some of these Globe columnists have just been dropped in out of outer space. They're asking Sajano Chara what it's like to be tall, what it's like to be old, what it's like to be, you know. Any, have you done a story on the contrast between Chara and uh, McAvoy? I have, I have seen not that because, you know what, account. any any defense partner for Sajano Chara is going to be younger than him. There are no other defensemen <laughs> in the National <laughs> Hockey League. There are also going to be no players bigger than than him in the National Hockey League. This has been the case for 15 years and will continue to be the case. Well, uh, we have the scrimmage tomorrow night, which has become sort of a topic. We've oh got uh, the Bacchus story obviously rises to the top of sure. the list uh, because he's obviously a former captain of the Blues. Yep, and, and Bennington. Recently. Yep, and Bennington, the goaltending matchup. Um, I, I don't know what's the most compelling of the whole bunch. How surprised are you to see St. Louis here? I guess let's start there. I mean, we did this uh, a couple weeks ago with Carolina and I think did our best to talk them up as a threat, but right. you nor I really felt that way. Yeah, nobody uh, did. And, of course, didn't play out that way. This group, I, I, again, I'm finding a tough time really propping them up as they're going to push Boston to the edge, but they beat Winnipeg, who was my cup final uh, prediction. 
and they just beat a Sharks team that granted was banged up toward the end, but had them down 2-1 in the series. So they did have that uh, ability to come back from a, a controversial hand pass call and, and everything else. And they did look like a team last night as they closed it out that's pretty hot and uh, yeah, rolling right I now. I think you, if you look at the two things they have that maybe if you can just compare the directly to Carolina, you start with the stable goaltending, the stable all-world goaltending they're getting. You know, Morazic and, and McElhinney have been playing out of their minds, but then the Morazic injury obviously affected him, and I don't think we ever really trusted those two guys to carry a team like they never had before. Now, Biddington obviously hasn't either, yeah. but since January to now, he's pretty much established himself as a number one goaltender. He, you don't, he doesn't necessarily give off the smell of a Andrew Hammond or a Patrick Laleem or whoever would come in and, and just be a flash of the pan, but even if he is for right now, He's been in the zone, you know, second to Tuka Rask in these playoffs. I mean, Jake Allen was their number one. Yeah. Bennington, 30 starts this year, 24-5-1, a 1.89 goals against average, a 9.27 save percentage. And last year he was in Providence yeah. because he had nowhere else to play. Exactly. Right? Was, well, was he on your radar at all last year? In the no, absolutely not. I mean, they, you know, he, you figure that the Blues didn't hold him in esteem because he was. they had two goalies. They had to pick one to yeah. go elsewhere, and he was the one that uh, – Refused to go to the ECHL, so he came to Providence. Did a great job there for them, but he was only playing Saturday, so it wasn't like you would normally take a top goaltending prospect and play him, you know, t- twice a week in the AHL. But he was a third round pick. It's not like yeah. he was a nobody, right? Right. So he's just- they've they've got this uh, the other guy that's come up that's been the guy that's more highly re- regarded for them. Carter Hutton, uh, not Hutton, but um, the guy they still have. I think his name is Hushko or something like oh, that. Oh, right. yeah, yep, yep, yep. And uh, so you know, the, it's just interesting to see that 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 he obviously played his way onto their radar and. Maybe they didn't even believe it at first. I think he had a couple of starts in December when they had some injuries and they kind of didn't ride him. And next thing you know, they're in last place in January. I guess they figured well, we have nothing left to lose. And he's been red hot ever since. And I think the thing about him is not just his ability, but his uh, his his demeanor. He doesn't seem to get rattled. He's played yeah. in some really tough places, uh, been under fire under some games. You know, the Blues, kind of like the Bruins, kind of like most good teams, they haven't necessarily gotten – all the offense they expect to get out of certain players. Braden Shen only has two goals, and some other guys haven't quite produced. But yep. when you have a goalie like that, you can get by with the secondary scoring and squeak by, and he's been great. Well, uh, you mentioned reasons they're a more impressive team, or at least more stable than Carolina yeah. appears to be. And they're more talented than Carolina. More talented. I, I think that would be the one. Vladimir Tarasenko right. is a household name in hockey circles. That being, I mean, it's a first-round pick. He's been there for seven years now. And I saw the stat thrown out that since 2014, he's third in the NHL mm-hmm. in goals behind Ovechkin and Tavares. There you go. So he's a star. Now, he's not making $10 million plus. Right. Uh, he's certainly affordable. But he's a guy who, at, the rumor was, was on the trade block at points yeah. this year. Well, everyone was on the trade block with that, with them. I mean, you figured when you're approaching January and you're gonna and you're in last place, you remember how many rumors there were that Shen was coming to the Bruins? Right. And we know the Bruins were being heavily scouted by them. Uh, Tarasenko, I'm not, and even Petrangelo was on the was on the block. I mean, the people in Toronto were, you know, getting out the forks and knives, trying to like carve up the Maple Leafs or the Blues and put uh, this guy on the Maple Leafs. What a difference maker that guy would have been. You know, as as great as Muzzin was for them, Petrangelo is a whole other level. But um, you got to give it to them that they stuck stuck it out. I mean, to not be sellers at that point is kind of crazy, and to think uh, of what they did. But you look at whether you want to compare it to Carolina or Columbus, um, you know, Schwartz. As terrible of a regular season he's had, he's been amazing in the playoffs. Probably there next to Bennington, their consmite. He's there, Marchand to the Tuca. Two hat tricks. Um, twelve two goals. Twelve goals, and he had eleven. Eleven in the regular. Season. Regular in the regular yeah. season. So um, when he's playing the way he's playing, now this is what they've expected out of him. So a lot more skill, um, at least established skill. I mean, you know, Terravine and clearly with Carolina was a guy we thought was going to be a difference maker. He went to sleep, and Aho, I'm still looking for him. I mean, that guy was terrible. So you don't expect that out of these guys the way they've played through three rounds. 
And that's important, obviously, because the Bruins clearly have done a great job here throughout the run. Unlike last year when Braden Point's line outplayed right. Bergeron in the second round, they have shut down the opposing top line. And without yeah. question, Jaden Schwartz, Braden Shen, Vladimir Tarasenko, that's the top line of the Blues. So right. they're going to get that matchup, you would think, right? Uh, yeah. Bergeron line and, and the crew, Carlo Perro, go against the Shen line, and then Chara and McAvoy with whoever. You know, any of the other three lines can usually handle it against the uh, the second line there, Which so, is Ryan, the, Ryan. the O'Reilly line, because that's the heavier yeah. line. So, you know, you, you'd probably like the, more often than not to have the Corrali line against those guys. I mean, I love um, that matchup from a Bruins' point of view. Yeah. Tarasenko has been a streaky guy. You know, he was hot sure. here in this yeah. last series. And, and, you was, know, right, and Vlasic had his number up until maybe this playoffs. Right, so. right. I mean, there was talk that he's in a lull. What's going on? Mm-hmm. He's not engaged was was one of the phrases. Uh, I, think, yeah, the I, think, I think he's a guy you can you can wear down with physicality, and that's where Brandon Carlo's going to come in and have to maybe you know get a little bit more of a mean streak sometimes. As great as he's been, we know he's not uh, putting people through walls that often, which is fine. You don't want to get out of position and you want to play your game, but you might have to you know up that physicality a little bit against this guy just to kind of knock him off his game. But the bigger story to me, I mean, obviously they're deep on the blue line. We can talk about that. But the fourth line matches with Boston's fourth mm-hmm. line pretty yep. comparably. Yep. They're hot coming in. Sunquist, Barbashev, and Steen. Yeah. All those guys were 10 goal scorers in the regular season. And even the third line, Bozak, we kind yeah. of ripped last year in the Leafs right. series somewhat. But and he, Maroon. Maroon, and Thomas are interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're great or to no, be they've, feared. They've been but... a lot better in the playoffs, and they're, they're a type of line that just can lean on you. And, you know, Maroon's huge, and it's going to be tough for – this is where, again, the test is going to be on the Tory Krugs and Matt Grizzlicks to see if they can really handle it because every one of those lines is either a lethal offensive line or a heavy line, and you know three out of them is definitely heavy. And we've seen you know, Grizzlick and Krug have been great, and uh, they've completely proven me wrong about whether or not they can handle it. But now it will be, be kind of the ultimate test, especially when you know Grizzlick's going to be out there a lot probably against that, uh, that Bozak, Maroon, Thomas line, and those guys are, are heavy. Going into the last game, 42 points from their D, second in the NHL to San Jose. So either either one of these teams, whoever was going to come out, you knew were you know propelled by the back end. Most of those were assists. 35 of the 42 were assists. So they're obviously good, and they're big. 6-2 yeah. plus across the board right. uh, with their blue line. But we talked up Carolina's defense core, and that was not a factor at all in the series. So how much yeah, better that- are they? than what we saw with uh, Dougie Hamilton and company. Well, they're better, I think, just based on the experience and just based on the, on, on the fact that they know how to be competitive at this time of year, maybe. I mean, I think that Carolina, even though they had Falk, he's maybe the only one that's Slavin. been around. But, yeah, right. The Blues haven't been to the finals, but just two years ago they were in the – or two or three years ago, the year they played the Sharks, they were in the conference finals. They had finals. two wins in the conference finals. So yeah. they've at least been to this this point. I mean, um, if, you, if you took the – the twelve D. Who would you pick first? Like you'd probably pick Pietrangelo, right? Or would you pick Slavin at this point if you're well, looking for someone to win right now? Pareko so I, gets the most praise, it seems like yeah. lately, because he's he's hot. I mean, he's six six and he's right. a shutdown guy. So, so it depends what you're looking for. Exactly, I guess. and this and, that, and that's a dynamic that the the Hurricanes lacked. Also, is the size of that guy. Yeah, he's big and he skates, and it's gonna, that's going to be the matchup, especially on the road. That Pasternak and Marchand are going to have to deal with, and Bergeron. He and Bomeister, that guy, yeah, him and Bomeister, long, big, strong D that can cut off plays at the blue line, and no fancy stuff. You know, Marchand and Pasta they like to get into the circus acts, and you can't do it. You got to chip the puck behind that big guy and get there first, and uh, that's going to be a test, especially like I said on the road where they won't be able to control it. But we know Bruce isn't going to shy away from it. Those guys will probably get a lot of minutes in 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 Boston too, and they're going to have to you know put their nose to the grindstone. Petrangelo was the fourth overall pick in 2006. He's been there 11 years. It's hard to yep. uh, imagine that. He's 29. 
He is their captain. Joel Edmondson's the other guy that usually pairs with him. I don't know a yeah. ton about him. Uh, he's 25. He was second on the team in hits and fourth in block shots. Top penalty minute guy, so obviously he's just kind of a right. uh, yeah, defensive defenseman. Exactly. I haven't seen much uh, of him to just know that he's big and, yeah. and strong. I don't think he's putting up the points the way you would want some guys to do. And Again, that's, that'll be the second pair, and we'll have to see how the Bruins forward lines you know, kind of handle that. Uh, a lot of pressure on the likes of Charlie Coyle, Jake DeBrus to, to kind of get behind that guy and, and make him pay Robert Bertuzzo is a glue guy. I saw him in Pittsburgh quite a bit. He's a kind of a yeah. he, he's a, a player favorite. He's always uh, you yeah. know, looked at that way. Kind of a goofball. He and Carl Gunnarsson. But now the other yeah. kid from well, Salem. Yeah, if Dunn comes back, well, Vince Dunn and also Zach Sanford, but he hasn't played. much. He hasn't right? played much. But Dunn Dunn was huge. I mean, Dunn was playing really well when he took the puck in the face in the conference final. And Vince Dunn, twelve goals. He's maybe the, the one that gives them the most uh, offensive dimension. You know, the the guy that kind of moves the puck the best and. I don't think he might not be as big as the rest of them, so that's a that's a dimension they maybe lack uh, with him out of there. You know, Gunderson is Gunderson; he's puts up some points now and then, but he's just kind of he's got a journeyman. He's, guy. Exactly, got you know got exiled from Toronto. Lucky him, and uh, you know, just the guy that you can probably take advantage of in, in the right situation. But Dunn would be a, a difference maker for them, and a guy that they'll miss. You know, they'll miss his offense the way the Bruins have missed. I know it's sacrosanct to say, but. They've missed Kevin Miller. Whether you know, regardless of how well they've done, they they, they missed him, and they're going to miss Kevin Miller in this in this round. And he had a setback again, is the phrase. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it's the second setback or they're just repeating, they're just repeating the, the first yeah. setback. But nonetheless, not going to see look him. For him to I mean, really, it's uh, it's almost bizarre that they wouldn't uh, just say what happened here. I don't think he's coming back unless he's going to you know unless they're playing a game on July fourth or something here. It's yeah. like, no. Uh, and at this point, it'll be tough to put him back in yeah, with the way this right. team's rolling. You're going to be rusty enough without doing that. So. Now, like the Hurricanes, they had a rookie coach. Craig Berube's an interim coach, right? Yeah. He's not even had And he coached Philly for two years. So it's Cur- not, true, uh, true. Yeah. It's not new to it. But this team surged. He was hired on uh, November 19th, brought in as the interim guy. They didn't really take off until January no. uh, when they were last in the NHL. I think everybody knows that story by now. But but Mike Yo was the guy that got axed. Yeah. Another guy that I know, he was a Michelle Terrian disciple. Okay. And... I know a lot of players hated him. I yeah, mean, just he as they did Terrian. Uh, so Barube comes off as this you know hard nails guy, no nonsense. But I think he must be like a bre- compared to Yo, right? The, the uh, master yeah. drill sergeant. He and must the guy, be a breath of fresh air, right? And the guy's had a, had a hell of a career as a player. I think I saw some quotes today from the Blues talking about just the fact that the fact that he was a role player, which is like he was the ultimate role player. I think. Yeah. Uh, that just says that he knows kind of more of what it takes and what uh, and how to just interact with players, respond to players, and it seems like I think they have Larry Robinson over there coaching their D. You can't get uh, much better than that. That yep. guy is a uh, defenseman whisperer for sure, in addition to being a Hall of Fame defenseman to begin with, and it seems like everywhere he goes wins. You know, I think he was in San Jose for a while, and we know obviously he coached the Devils. Um, that's that's a huge thing to have on your staff, and uh, they seem to have it together. And, yeah, Baruvi. I didn't think that made much sense. He seemed like to be a t- he seemed to be a terrible coach when he's in Philly, and maybe yep, maybe so maybe much like Bruce in Washington, you learn from your mistakes. He, you know, he's another guy who went back to the AHL before he went. You know, he didn't just stay in the AHL. He went. The Blues made him the AHL uh, coach for a year there, I think, at least a year. And so that's always a sign too that the guy really wants to kind of learn and and evolve and not just think he's uh, he's ready to just jump right into another job. Well, they were pretty active in the offseason and free agency. Not only Tyler Bozak yep. uh, they brought in. They, they've had, you know, the trades are uh, yeah, they back, in, backdated a bit. Right. right. Well, they brought in Bozak and Maroon in, in, in Maroon. Uh, July 1. So. And Ryan O'Reilly was a trade from Buffalo. It's yep. a couple years ago now, right? So they've uh, maneuvered some parts there. No, that was, it. That was this year. Was, was that this offseason? Yep. Yep. Okay. 
So for a while, obviously, that was not working out, but now it looks like those are pretty significant uh, yeah, I think I think the O'Reilly thing worked out for them. I mean, regardless of what he was producing, I mean that guy's just such a a character glue guy. I mean, you put him on any second or third line in the National Hockey League, and he's going to make your team better. He's their highest paid player. I mean, he does everything. He's and he's just you know he plays first power play. He plays uh, all all areas, and he's just uh, one of those great players that does it. You know, he's kind of like their poor man's Bergeron, and we saw it in Buffalo. You know, he killed the Bruins a little bit with the Sabres and. I, I, he might be the key to the series, wouldn't you think, Ryan yeah. O'Reilly? Yeah, he's definitely one of the keys. Obviously, he's going to be out there head-to-head with uh, Patrice when they can get the right matchup they want, and it'll be interesting to see. Like, we've talked about that Bergeron. Bruce is going to want Bergeron against Shen. We'll see how much Baruby tries to get away from that and get O'Reilly out there, and, you know, that'll be where the face-off game will come in, the, the ice uh, ice territory game will, will come in, whereas where the face-offs are being placed and things like that, uh, it's going to be tough, especially the second period. He was like a 48% face-off guy win, but had the most wins of anybody in the post yeah. in the playoffs. He, so takes, he a takes a ton, a ton. right? Yeah, that's just he, it. I mean, he's just he out there constantly day. and uh, just a heavy, hard player to handle around the net, and uh, that's going to be another test for the, the the smaller D. I had not been impressed with David Perron much, uh, but he had a pretty good year, 23 goals and six goals mm. uh, now in the postseason. Uh, so that's a free agent guy they brought in who has right. worked out. I, I don't necessarily fear him, but he's on O'Reilly's line, and they obviously have some chemistry. Yeah. The other guy on the line is Sammy Blay, the rookie, right. who's been quite a story and hits like seven hits a game or something on the average. He's a killer. Uh, and, uh, so uh, I think that line versus the Krejci line, if that's the way it goes, or you know, yeah. however, if it's Coyle, maybe gets right. that matchup. Yeah, that that's to me the interesting. Yeah, and you, you know, I think I think we've established now just talking about this is that people are saying about the Bruins and the reputation. There's the physical team, but I think they're the less physical team in this series, but they're the more skilled team. You know, it, it don't far be it for me to say that and not be you know banned from Canada forever because we know the Bruins are the ones taking hockey back to the Good dark ages. Yeah. But you know, it's it's funny how the Blues got got away with how many hits to the head against the Sharks in that series. <laughs> I think they should cuss every Shark star player, but no one's saying they're taking hockey back to the dark ages. Well, that's what I heard you guys on Skate this week, and <laughs> what impressed uh, Pete Blackburn the most, our uh, tri host on the weekend, was their ability to just hammer Eric Carlson oh, in that series. Oh my god! So do they chop Chara down, or is it Krug? They're going to try to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those lefty for sure, all yeah, three of them. Three. But clearly, uh, you know, Krug and Grizzly definitely are going to be the ones that are going to try and grind down. Maybe they. Depending on who's out there, they back off from uh, Char a little bit because you do have McAvoy out there. So if you if you try to grind too much, Char is just going to bust the puck out on you, and you're going to be caught behind the play. But uh, it's interesting to see that the Bruins have to match another team's physicality, or at least learn how to deal with it. They don't have to necessarily go out and hit more. They just need to be able to use their quickness and their speed to to make them pay for going for big hits. Like the Bruins have taken over games. In the playoffs, the Blues had 22 third-period goals. That was second to mm. Boston going into that game seven. They had 24. So they've been a lot more tight games, a bunch of one-goal games, yeah. and you know grinding through it, unlike Boston, who has, I think, what, like a plus 24 goal differential or something. By the end of it, it looks like the Bruins had a cakewalk right. compared to St. Louis. Yeah. But they're similar in the fact that the better team has risen to the occasion uh, in the third period. Good third-period team. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh... What you got to be? I, I don't know that you can. Yeah. How do you look get up. here without that? Right. It's like exactly. I mean, you got You can't have bad third periods. You don't see too many teams blowing leads uh, in the third periods. And I think you know, like you said, it looks like a cakewalk because it kind of was. I mean, Carolina, they kind of gave up, especially in that fourth game. It was like totally. it was kind of. They were sad. done in game one when they. Yeah. they uh, to, to be honest, yeah. they they should have won game one. Right. And when that flipped in yeah. the third period it was over I think in retrospect you're right on that that game one but I think they were really beat after game two just because 
even the coach, the ultimate warrior character, player character, coach now, the player, the team takes on his persona. I think yeah. even he was kind of defeated after that second game. Maybe you're right. Yeah, I mean, he, he just had this hollow look on his face. He kind of had disbelief. I think there was a lot of satisfaction. He had a good first ten minutes in game yeah. three, and that was it. right. Yeah, I think like... they, there was some satisfaction there. There was there was two things. There was some satisfaction that wow, look what we accomplished. No one believed it, and then there was Tukarask. Uh, Psyched them out. I mean, there's nothing they could do. No matter what they did, they couldn't get one past them. So the Bruins are favorite, pretty significant favorites. Uh, you know, are they? in Vegas, sixty percent. I think uh, you know. Okay. As far as, as the odds go, so here you go. The Blues. I would say most of America that's watching the series are also rooting for them. Just, <laughs> you know, the the rooting favorite, not only uh, with that young girl who, uh, yep. the cancer patient, there, just right. like rallying around out there. Yep. That's uh, kind of scary. I think there's. I think something like that. I mean, I hate to I hate to be the you know I know we're supposed to all be at analytics these days and we're not supposed to think about emotion, but yep. they, those guys are really into that girl and playing for her and Layla. um it's interesting to see how it's it's motivated them to the the Gloria thing, which I think is great because it's organic. Whether regardless of what you think of the song, yeah, it's so organic that it started with them being in a bar and asking for the song and that it became a thing. Not some well, forced, well there were some like, Philly for fans TV. that were asking for it and they were got caught up in it, right? right exactly, story? so. It's like um, it's just it's just great to see organic things like that build up, and sometimes that kind of leads to a team of destiny kind of story, where you have to hope the Bruins know how to counter that and you know end end it in a nightmare. You know, they're, they're like they're a good team. They have been for like the better part of forty yeah. years, but they never. Well, that's <laughs> just amazing. Even, even coming get... into the season, they were a lot of people's cups yeah. pick. I yep. mean, you yep. listen to these Canadian radio shows. When you're done listening to Sunday Skate, you go and listen to other shows, obviously. Sure. And then you hear everyone thought they were going to be that good. And I actually at the was the opposite. I looked at those signings, you know, Bozak and Maroon, and I said, this, is, this is other people's junk. What are yeah, they doing? Right, I don't right. care. Pat Maroon's from St. Louis. That doesn't mean he's going to be good for St. Louis. Right. And he wasn't most of the season. Right. But uh, clearly they had. Game seven, double overtime winner. <laughs> exactly. Clearly they had the right mix, and they, they knew what they were doing. And to know that they knew what they were doing by January 2nd, just blows your mind. Imagine if the Bruins had been where the Blues were on January 2nd, what would the city have been doing? Right. First of all, they would have been ignoring them. No one would be talking about them, but the people that are like me who are paid to talk about them, we would have been ripping the shreds, and if they took this tact where they didn't make any moves, we especially would have been like, what the heck is going on here? They're lucky it was January, not February, right? I mean, they had to turn right. on then, obviously, but they yeah. won 11 straight. Well, even after the they deadline. won the 11 straight, I think you know with the point system – I don't know how much farther they moved up. They they probably were in a wild card spot at some point, but they were still in the pack, right? And so you're 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 taking a chance that okay, we're gonna make the playoffs when you still you still weren't right. guaranteed whatever the odds were at that point to say that, that you're not going to be sellers. That the fact that they almost won the division is just it's just no one could have predicted that. And I think even Doug Armstrong, their general manager, he kind of admits that. I mean, let's face it, you can't hide from the fact that. You got a little lucky that this team really came together and started playing some great hockey, especially, like I said, the point system kind of discourages you from thinking you can make these runs. And now it's going to be interesting to see every team that's you know 20 points out of a playoff spot in January is going to say, well, you know, look look what the Blues did. And so you have to hope that this doesn't depress the, the trade market and the trade deadline. Every team's going to think they can be the next Blues, just like a lot of teams thought they would be the next Kings when the Kings are the eighth seed. Ever since the Kings won the Cup as the eighth seed, everyone every year, it's, oh, you know, you just got to get in. Just you just got to get in. Well, not really. You kind of want and I think this we're showing this now, right? I mean, St. Louis was a neither, – neither of these teams are wild cards, right? The wild cards yeah. are finally dispatched. So, yeah, they had early playoff upsets, the wild cards. But you really want to have a better positioning, have some home ice advantage to get this far. 
Well, the Perron signing, he's 30, 30? Yeah. Four years, $16 million. I would have mocked that in the offseason. <laughs> Absolutely. Bozak, three years at age 32 for $5 million per it year. Made no I would sense. have mocked that. It actually, I mean, maybe it's, maybe on the other hand, while it might depress the trade market that they did so well, maybe at least it'll take people off this whole, like, oh, if you're 30, you can't play hockey anymore. You know, two teams, right? You got So you got Bozak and Perron are in their 30s. They get these big deals, they've, they've performed decently. Uh, and by the way, the Boston Bruins are built around up front the two thirty-plus centers, right? Bergeron and Krejci, who are not dropping off right now. When there's when the analytic people are telling me, "Oh, you can't touch these guys. You got to put in JFK or whatever t- young kid in there is going to be better at this point." So maybe it's you know bucking the trend here. Maybe there's more studies to be done. Yeah, although the Bruins have wasted some money in free agency, as oh, we absolutely. know. Oh, uh, absolutely. But, but and David Backus is yeah. at the forefront of that, which is kind of ironic that he's going to be a major storyline <laughs> in this series. Uh, he has become entrenched in the in the lineup, I guess. So well, just like Maroon, I mean, is he worth six million? I mean, obviously, he, <laughs> it's, it's it's out of the Maroon class because of the money. Yeah, the six million is crazy. It was always crazy. What he's brought to this team in terms of character, in terms of leadership, and that they might have been lacking when they were missing the playoffs those years that you weren't going to get from Louis Erickson. You're not going to spend six million. You're going to have to obviously figure something out after this year if when you want to get. McAvoy and Carlo and Heinen signed and thinking ahead to the brush the next year. It's a lot of work. Um, but David Backus is, you'd hate to think where they'd be without him right now. Right. I mean, we argue about this in the morning show about David Price. It seems like every month, it, 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 was he worth the $217 million? Right. Well, they just that, won a World Series, but Callahan will still, you know, to, to this day say yeah. that was a terrible signing. Uh, a non-salary cap score. Well, it kind of was. I would say, I'd hate to, I'd hate to agree with Jerry Callahan, but... You have to also factor in the attitude and the dist- how many distractions have there been with David Price? Yeah, um, all these off-field things. Whether he meant to do them or not, I mean, the, the sarcasm that get, leads into controversy. David Backus was being healthy scratched for Carson Coleman, and never, never complained, never, never even alluded to uh, being unhappy. Came out and talked all the time. I know for a fact was a chipper guy with the players, at least as far as they're telling me. Um, on the bench, even the game when he was benched third period and against Toronto, you know, on the bench, being a leader, pulling for his teammates, and kind of maybe knowing that if this goes long enough, I'm going to get another chance. So we better keep winning, and I got I got to do my part. I don't I don't like that comparison necessarily. It's kind of a a different element when you have a guy who's a real leader. Yeah. What well, What about Bacchus? I mean, is he going to be uh, a major part of this? In particular, because it's St. Louis, how does he handle yeah, he's playing gonna, against his former? He's going to be a major part of it because he's he's a lot of their physicality, and you're going to have to match that. And if if Krejci and DeBrusque are getting nailed by like we talked about the O'Reilly line or or the Bozak line, you're going to need him out there to kind of be a presence and be heavy on the forecheck. And those big guys aren't going to fall easily, so you're going to have to really get in there hard on them. And he's one of the few bur- players the Bruins have that can do that. Special teams, St. Louis had a bunch of goals early against Winnipeg, and then they went on a 2-for-28 slump and came out of it a bit, but they are not one of the top power plays in the postseason. Yeah. In fact, they had given up three shorties, so they're, they're, they, like the Bruins, had been almost a negative at times. Yeah. But if, now Boston has been obviously thriving on the on If, the you, if, you, if you listen to Mike Milbury, he hasn't stopped repeating that the Blues line up their power play oddly and put their forwards on the strong side. It worked. In Game 6 last night, uh, Tarasenko had the goal from there. But, yeah, I agree with him that there's no one-time threat there. So you'd have to think the Bruins could sniff that out pretty easily. And, yeah, I mean, the power play might be the one thing that might be really rusty at the start of this next coming series because you you haven't really 
you can put the penalty killers there out all you want in practices. You can't, you know, duplicate what the other team does. So most of Tarasenko's points in the playoffs have been on the power play, okay. and I don't see him threatening the Bruins five on five. I, I right. think he's going to be totally erased in this series. <laughs> I could be proven dead wrong. Yeah, about I that, mean, but do you see hey, Tarasenko? The track record says it. Look, if you put him in the class of Panarin. They pretty much stopped Panarin after right. the first couple games there. Especially if they five lose this five. series, they're going to get beat by, you know, yeah. goals from the back end. Ryan O'Reilly is a big series. That fourth line right. chipping in. That's, yeah, you should be able to cancel out that first line. Bennington's absolutely. great. Some, you know, he right. wasn't really tested, I guess, in well, a lot I mean, of the series. It's going to, I mean, there's no way to predict what's going to happen game one with this team. I can't imagine that they're going to be sharp. I don't care how many scrimmages and hard playoffs. Yeah, I think and game the, one's tough. The Tuca thing really scares me because. When you're in that, I can't. I don't know for fact, but I'm pretty sure none of the famous goaltenders that have been in zones yeah. like he's been in over the years, whether it's Patrick Roy, whether it's you know Ken Dryden, they never had to wait ten days to play a damn game. And there's just no way to do it. You know, he, How's he thing, holding up? You've been talking to him. The only thing he's got going for him is that he is so laid back. You know, I mean, I I, I asked him about just what it's like to be home after a practice and you have ten days without a game. I mean. Yeah. And he's he's going in his routine. He's taking the kids to school, and he's playing with the kids, putting them to bed. You know, it's, he's trying to stay on the same pattern that he's been on. But it's it's got to be so hard. There's no way to duplicate the traffic and the the just the, all the different elements uh, of the game. You know, Andrew Raycroft said that you know, most of those saves he was making, a lot of those saves he was making against Carolina, he wasn't even seeing the puck. He was just in the rhythm to know where the puck was going to be coming from and hitting him. And that rhythm just ends for 10 days. While I was on break, I, I was looking back at the loss to the Hawks in the 2013 Cup Finals. They took a two games to one lead in that series. Rask had a shutout in Game 3. It's amazing when you think back to it that Tuca is considered like the weak link of that but Cup by, loss. By who, though? Consider the source. No I, one, I guess. I guess No one with any intelligence would blame him for that series. Well, they lost the 6-5 overtime game in Game 4, and then obviously Game 6 yeah. he's, he's criticized for. But up to that point, <laughs> right. I was reading some of the articles back in the yeah. Globe. Rask was getting praised of course. up and through Game 3 of First the Cup of all, Finals. First of all, it was a strikeout. It was a, it was a lockout shortened season, yes, but yes. that was a historic team, a, 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 a Blackhawks team that was loaded. Right? Reload, and they'd so won you, the Cup two years so prior. So you start with that. Then you move on to the fact that Patrice Bergeron is playing with 13 different injuries the second half of that series. Right. They actually tro- rolled out a line that had Tyler Sagan, Chris Kelly, and Dan Paye. That was a line in a Stanley Cup final game. Yeah. You had Kaspar's Dargavans playing regularly. <laughs> I mean, this Bruins, for Tuca to get them to game six alone was just amazing. The, but but the, the way, way they, it read through game three was this was going to happen. It was over. Like, the series was done. Yeah, I, I don't remember feeling that way for sure. I, I, I mean, maybe the people at the Globe did because they watch hockey three weeks out of the year. But <laughs> I, didn't, I don't remember feeling that way. You know, I mean, maybe I think they might have. In fact, I look back at it, too. I don't think they even had a lead in game four. And then lost that game in overtime. Yeah, Brent Seabrook. And, right. And going right, back to right. Chicago for game five, you just felt like th- th- if they didn't win game five, they were in trouble. Now they That's had, when Bergeron now, went to the hospital. Well, that, after, after well, game five. Right. So you felt like when they had the lead late in game six, you were going to game seven. I mean, I had had my tickets booked for a while. I was going to go to the Mets-White Sox game the next night. I still haven't seen Comiskey Park. Thanks a lot, Bruins. <laughs> but that clearly was not Tuka's fault. I mean, Johnny Boychuk should have just bought a – Bought some popcorn and to watch those closing seconds. Andrew Ferrance was was having troubles there, and the, they didn't close out. And but again, they did they did it against the team that was so freaking loaded. When you look back at, uh, it's almost like a you know for the era, 
it was a kind of like late 70s Canadian team. They didn't win all the cups and all the way to Canadian, but the team had all the stars you're talking about. Right. And even Brian Bickle at the time, everyone thought he was the greatest thing ever, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, so. I mean, the Bruins are hoping Yager has like a rebirth that postseason. Yeah. Well, that's just it. Tommy Yager didn't have a point the whole right, right. playoffs. I mean, there's no comparison, right? This Blues team is nowhere near as, no. as intimidating as that Blackhawks team. Well, there's, team there right. isn't a team. I mean, the teams that were are, are gone. Tor- yeah. Tampa Bay, Washington, maybe. That's what I mean. They're, the Bruins are so lucky. You could not have scripted yeah. a better path there, to the there, Cup Finals. There's luck involved, but nonetheless, I mean, that Columbus team is better than the record was, and they had, you know, we saw... We weren't denigrating them when it was 1-1 going to Columbus and when they lost game three. I mean, that was a really good team. But you can't – I mean, the 11 team didn't have to play the Penguins, right? They didn't have to play Washington. I think Washington was the President's Trophy that year. They were at least the top seed in the East, right? They didn't have to play them. So it's just it's just the way it goes sometimes. The, the, yeah. the field clears. And, you know, they were one game from being eliminated. They're act- Twice they were one game from being yeah, eliminated, they, right? Toronto you, had you them Pete, on the ropes. You and Pete predicted they were out in game six. So there you go. <laughs> Not to rub that in your face, Matt Stradamus. Uh, what's your pick on this series? I mean, we got some time to chew on it, but I, yeah. I do think St. Louis will win time. game one. Yeah. I think Boston takes over and they win it in six. I think it's a Yeah, it's a I, w- I was leaning towards six, and I think it told Bradford five last night just because every time you think it's going to be easy, it's going to be five. But then he said everyone he knows was picking five, so I said, oh, it's definitely going to go seven. So <laughs> <laughs> you never know. But, I mean, they, they really should be able to handle this team. I don't think – Maybe they get by after a tough first period and get by that game one because I don't think if they lose that game one they're winning four straight. But um, six is probably your safest bet, and I think they're, they're going to win. I mean, they, they they really should at this point. You don't want to say that this season is a total failure if they lose this one, but this is a, an opportunity that's that not going to come around every you every you day. You're right. you don't it's only going to get harder. Toronto's going to get better. Tampa's going to regroup. Buffalo's going to get better. The West is going to get stronger. Joe yeah. Quimble's in the division. I mean, some of these teams out, out West are going to get better. The Blackhawks will be back at some point here. You know, Vegas is not going away. This is this is a, t- a stiff test. All right, before we go, Zdeno Chara, healthy scratch, <laughs> or uh, was he actually injured? He's actually injured, oh. but he did get scratched in a scenario where he would not have been scratched two or three years ago. It was a strategic and the fa- scratch? The factor is a that tactical scratch. they have more depth now, and he is what he is. He's not your number one anymore. He's not a third pair yet, but I I would argue that he might be a third pair next year, and if he's a third pair, that's a great news because that means your defensemen have taken the next step, and you can rely on a Grizzlick or a Vakanina to play with McAvoy, and you can have Chara killing penalties and playing 15, 16 minutes on your third pair. Well, that's why if they lose this cup final, it's not a disaster. You're still going to have what looks like a great team, one of the best teams in right. hockey that's, next that, that year. Was the, that was the biggest takeaway from game four but, at Carolina, right? That you yes. can survive the, the life without Chara, and the way Carlo and McAvoy have played has been amazing, I think, to, to see that they, they've grown up that quickly. But that goes to two other topics I want to bring up on Skate this weekend. Pierre Lebrun, I thought, did a pretty good yep. article on the cap balance of these teams that are left. The, right. the, the, you look at the Blues, you look at the Bruins. Yep. They have not been weighed down by stars making too much money. Toronto Maple Leafs, perhaps, in the future. Yeah. You, you know, you go through some other teams that have that, that problem. Winnipeg Jets. Although the Bruins were in on Tavares, and I'm still curious how that would have changed this team if they trade Krejci and go for Tavares. Like, that that was their goal, right? They drew Tavares up the blueprint. Is, Tavares is still a really great player, and I think we saw how well he can play in the playoffs. He didn't put up the point just like Bergeron did it, but he was you know, he has much fact, effect on Bergeron not scoring as Bergeron had on him, so maybe – they canceled each other out. Maybe if Austin Matthews steps up a little more, you know, John Tavares has more room to to to, uh, to score. But um, would have been a great player. Would have been a great addition. And you know, 
either way, they would have been fine, probably. But the, and the other one, down goes Brown had a thing about used to the cliche was you have to have a top five Norris candidate on the mm. blue line to win a cup. For a while, it seemed like that was the case. And you look at this St. Louis team and this Boston team, they are just solid, one through six. It's not the case. Char is not that way anymore. Maybe McAvoy is you know, rising to one of the best defensemen right. in the league. Nope. Uh, but Petrangelo nope. had a kind of a down year, actually, by his standards. Right. So it's just a good group. You, you don't need maybe a marquee star anymore. Yeah, and you don't need – and you can have youth, too. And I youth, mean, the, and youth, these, yeah. young, these guys are so young, especially the Bruins. I'm not sure about the ages and the Blues defensemen. But. Actually, they're pretty old. Edmondson's the youngest, 25. The rest okay. are, are kind of veteran guys. Right. Oh, no, Pareko. So, Pareko's 26. Okay, so, so yeah, so there you go. So that you don't usually have that as much. And, yeah, I mean, the game is changing in that way, too. And, um, of course <laughs> – by this time next year, we're going to be talking about Charlie McAvoy and his seven or eight million a year. So that'll be different. But yeah, it's yeah, not the ten next. million. It's not paying Tavares, Marner, and Matthews eleven million each, and then hoping you can put together a defense core. <laughs> yeah. But you know. Well, do you want to rip Dale before we sign off? I mean, that's always good for some fodder. You already called us the better hockey show. Oh, we are the best hockey show, absolutely, yeah, the best show bar none on this on this station. I mean, my God, where else can you get? You know, hot takes about Toronto, but also get, you know, leveled, deep analysis of the Bruins. I mean, you know, it's better than just agreeing with each other constantly and not having any debate. Who knows what will change by Sunday. If nothing else, we'll have Cranky Calvin up at 8 a.m. Join us for Sunday Skate. This is a special edition of Skate, the podcast edition. See you, man.